Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Brian Asher. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good to see everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was excellent to have you on, my friend. I always like when I can get a hold of somebody, you know, on social media and, you know, and, and get them on the podcast and pick their writer brain, so to speak. So this is a perfect timing, actually, because I was getting really stuck on my uh one of my last scenes of my rough drafts. So I was like, I need a break. So it actually was a perfect timing tonight. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us and we'll, you know, get to talk about your books and learn something new. So sweet. Hopefully I can help with the writer's block. That's fair. Well, we'll go right there with that first one. And what has your writing journey been like up until this point? Uh, it's been very interesting because it started when I had my first uh, child my daughter um i had been writing a book off and on uh i always wanted to write comic books uh i always wanted to make comic books but i couldn't draw to save my life (laughs) and i didn't have the money to afford an artist on my own so i was like you know i think if i write my own novels and i just pay for illustrations for those you know i i could make something and so uh i've been writing off and on and then my wife said you know we have a kid if you don't finish this book now before she's older you're never going to get it done So the summer of 2020, I jammed out the last like 175 or so pages of my rough draft and then spent, you know, another month uh, editing. And then I had my first book. And then luckily with the second book, once you finish, you know, your first one, it makes it a lot easier to understand. Like when you achieve that goal and you've done the editing and you've gone through it and you're like, oh, wow, it's totally doable. The second book I was able to get done, you know, in just a year, uh, whereas the first one took, you know, probably two to three. So, yeah, so that process is better and my outlining process is more refined uh, and it keeps getting better and better every time, you know, I make a new book. Uh, And my second kiddo I just had in February. So that's delayed my book a little bit. I'm only about 70 pages into my third book, but I have a complete outline and I know that, you know, once I'm able to jump back in, I'll be able to, to race right through the rough draft. So. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely understand what you mean there. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, as soon as we, we're having a baby in January, so as soon as I found out, I was like, my buddy goes, are you uh, going to keep that release date for January for the book? And I was like, heck no. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're no. popping back. <laughs> no, no. He's like, you're mostly done. You know, you're mostly done. And we've done the fall. I was like, yeah, no. I was like, we're still not going to do that. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, my wife was like yeah i appreciate if you move it i was like yeah i figure you're having the baby so at least i can do is move a, a book launch so yeah, yeah I definitely understand fair that. trade fair trade yeah exactly well that's awesome it's good to hear though like you know that you're, you're one of several authors we've had on within the last like you know few weeks honestly um like back to back to back that have you know said the same thing you know in terms of between book one and book two you know it's been a an easier process and I'm going through that myself where like I'm trying to fix my first fantasy novel and I kind of had to take a break because it's just not flowing. Yeah. I felt like, you know, and I, but I felt like I had a really good urban fantasy idea and then I fixed it and then I started to do some stuff and, you know, it's been going well with prequel novels and stuff and I still haven't been able to go back to my, my pet project, but it does get, it does get easier, right? Cause you're like, Oh, I wrote a book. Like even if it's not fully done, you're like, you know, it's possible. So yep. I think it's always helpful that way, but yeah. 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 Well, that's cool. Well, speaking of 
your books. <laughs> uh, what genre are your intercontinence books in and how did you decide on that as your genre? Uh, so that's a good question because it's it's a bit of a mixed bag. So oh, perfect. I grew up, you know, 90s, 80s kid, a uh, lot of mixed universe stuff, right? Uh, yeah. X-Men cartoons, Spider-Man cartoons, Ninja Turtles. I had all the action figures. They all fought each other. They all, you know, were in the same thing. So uh, genre blending or several genres, <clears throat> genres running parallel, uh, I didn't feel was an issue for me. So mm. my first book is a fantasy adventure. And it takes place in the same universe as my second book, which is a sci-fi treasure hunt. So two very different stories, um, but they take place in in, uh, the same universe. And the way I've laid it out for myself is I have all these little floating continents. That's where the intercontinents names Mm. come from is there's just all these little floating land masses and they do all know about each other. You know, they're all familiar. There's been, you know, uh, warring in the past. Now there's sort of a a peace at the moment, Um, but I'm able to have all these little vertical slice adventures because when I was trying to figure out how I wanted to, to make my universe, I knew I wanted to have multiple books and I knew I wanted to have like a big playground. But what I didn't want to do, um, just looking at the shelf and also knowing um, where I was at in my author journey, being a newer author, I felt if I tried to do book one in a series or, or a you know, seven part saga or whatever, I'm really committing myself to oh, convincing yeah. fans to have to go along for a ride with someone who's technically unproven. Uh, so for me, I felt if I can give you a complete adventure, beginning, middle, and end, you know, one book is one unit of entertainment, then I figure uh, that you would have a better shot at being able to capture new fans because they know, well, if I like this, awesome. Uh, but they can also try different books. So you can read them in any order. So if you're like, I'm more of a sci-fi person, they pick up that one. If they're more of a fantasy person, they pick up the other one. And then my third book's actually going to be horror involving vampires. Mm. So I'm, I'm, yeah. And then I also have, um, and my horror book will probably come out in like December or or January. And then I'll have a comic book. That's also like a complete side story that'll go like coincide with that. So I plan to like really keep building out um, the universe and, each little book is like one vertical slice of a different intercontinent to give you um, sort of like a, an overview, but it's not overwhelming. Like you don't have to watch 30 minutes of YouTube lore or yeah. read all these different things online. But if you do read all the books, then you pick up all these little Easter eggs that kind of tie all mm. the places together, um, which has been really fun because it allows me to drop little <laughs> hints in there that only I know until people read more of the books and then they're like, Oh, like you had that in there. I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. So, so every book drops a little hint for like what the next book uh, will be, which has been really fun. Oh, that's cool. I definitely understand what you mean by like a big playground. Um, I love, I'm a huge forgotten realms fan. Dragon oh yeah. Lance. Yeah. And I, I love what they did with the realms particularly, you know, where you had like the, the murder in Cormier, you know, you had like, so you had murder mysteries, but in a fantasy setting, you had, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some more of the steampunk, you know, you had, yeah. you know, I just felt like they, they did a lot, you know, with a lot, the Eberron books too, you know, did that, you know, as well. And it was interesting to see somebody like I did, I actually interviewed um, Richard Lee Byers, uh, wow. which was super cool, um, you know, to pick his brain. He has such a great mix of fantasy horror and, you know, and, um, and mystery in there, you know, and he just does a great job of seamlessly pulling those three threads into a great story. Uh, so that's always really interested me. So when you're saying you, know, you have this, you know, huge sandbox to play with, I mean, I, I really do like, I like mystery and horror, particularly in a fantasy or sci-fi setting, 
I don't know if that was the, the aliens background for me or what, <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah it just, it's, it's cool to do that way. I, I like the mix of, you know, those different genres within the, the fantasy or sci-fi realms. So that, that sounds really cool to me. It sounds like a, a good um, advertising campaign too, you know, for your world. Like, you know, you come in and, you know, here's a little bit, here's a little bit. Cause like you said, right. It's Brandon Sanderson can do whatever he wants, you know, <laughs> doesn't yeah, even yeah. show you what a book's going to be. Five books, you know, whatever. Yeah. doesn't even tell I you. Bu- I bought him blind. I bought him That's blind. Fair. Mm-hmm. If I, if I had had the money at the time, I would have, <laughs> I was tied up. I, I was like, Oh, I just, I like saved enough money to get, you know, different friends, Kickstarters. So of course mm-hmm. there's ran before. And so I was teasing one of my buddies. I was like, your product better be awesome. Cause I was like, <laughs> I just, you know, did not get Brandon Sanderson's. So I keep teasing him. Um, yeah. But I, th- I think you, you know, you make a good point that, you know, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks with different episodes with different authors and, you know, as a newer author, I do think you have to think about that, you know, like I, I tend to stick to trilogies right now, you know, instead of like bigger series, I have a yeah. couple of series I'm going to write as a trilogy and then, you know, maybe like a second one, if it's popular, uh, you know, or if the sales are there, but yeah, it's hard, like you said, to just go new one through seven, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. not everybody's a gym butcher, you know, or even if they are like, even if they are, they just, you know, it's hard. I think Will White is, you know, one of those exceptions you know, with, you know, with Indy, um, after that third book, I was, I was hooked. I'm about to be on the fourth one pretty soon, but yeah, yeah it's definitely, and definitely well, can see what you mean there. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think with the Dresden Files ones, with the way that they're on the shelf, they almost look like separate books. Like yeah, to me, yeah. they don't look like they're, even though like over, it's almost like, um, I remember my parents saying when the first Star Wars came out, there wasn't really any marketing around there being more until Mm. later and then they talk about it being this big thing which i know he always had those plans but um i think sometimes they'll even just have that book look as if it's a single story and then it'll uh expand out and then they can go back and put all those little subtitles on the bottom like you know the first of whatever so um but i do i'm glad you brought up forgotten realms i do plan on reusing the characters from my books and that's a big thing for me is like having multiple adventures oh yeah um and it's funny, like I came to the fantasy party a little late. So uh, like I was obviously, like I said, big superhero comics, uh, lots of indie comics, you know, Walking Dead, I got swept up and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I discovered uh, two books kind of sim- simultaneously, the the Elric uh, pulp books. Oh, and, then, yeah. and then the um, the I read the Dark Elf trilogy. So I read those pretty, pretty similarly, like around the same time. And so uh, like Malcose is actually sort of like my linguistic tribute to Melnabone because they sound kind of similar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I, when I was reading the Dark Elf trilogy, I was just really impressed. Like, man, I really missed out on, it's very similar to like, if you're reading multiple graphic novels of a certain character that you may follow, right? Like, oh, I read all the Spider-Man or the X-Men or whatever. And so you're, I was reading these books and then I saw like, you know, I go to the used bookstore and I own all of them now because I was just grabbing them off the shelf because who knows when you're going to see them or not. And uh, I just remember thinking like, man, I wish I had been like, to the party as they were coming out because it's so fun to be a part of a fandom where you can like experience it as it grows whereas I'm kind of going back and then uh, I also listen to a lot of interviews with R.A. Salvatore and so Mm. um, you know he'll talk about these 
and I love those interviews. I'm such a sucker for him. You know, he'll oh, yeah. talk about different eras of like when he was writing this thing or that thing. And I haven't even read this stuff yet, but I'm just like fascinated with like mm. the the planning um, or like Jim Shooter. I love listening to his interviews where he talks about all the different little things he planned. Um, so yeah, it was, I was excited when you brought Forgotten Realms, because I think, um, it's a good parallel to what I'm going to do with the fantasy side, although they Mm. won't be numbered, but I'll have these set characters and they can keep having additional adventures. And then little plot lines can kind of, like, I do have a planned undercurrent in my fantasy world where there will be Mm. like a longer plot line that'll come to fruition later, but Mm. each book will still be a, a complete adventure. So Oh, that's cool. It sounds very similar to like what I'm structuring for my own fantasy series. Cause I, I doing it like the forgotten realm structure, as I call it, where like, I have a, like a character where I have three books, you know, and um, like, I'd like to do like three books and then it's like, kind of like their own adventure, but then another three with that same character where they're, you know, getting into that. I like the Avenger style thing. I want to yeah. do that with, oh, with yeah. urban fantasy, you know, like I want to do, <laughs> my monster hunter mixed with my Valkyrie mixed with, like, oh, the other yeah, two, yeah. you know, and boom, you know, and I just think that would be, I just think it'd be super cool, you know? And I think, I, I think having my friend said that he's doing that with, you know, his, like his fantasy series, which he's writing, which I think is really cool. Cause he, we're both huge forgotten realms nerds. And I just think it was so cool that you had so many great writers. Like I just read the blade singer the other day and I keep losing it on my shelf. I have them all sitting right next to me. Oh, it's right here, actually. Um, and this was a standalone, uh, but it was in like the fighters. Uh, there was four of them, but it's uh, Keith Francis Strom. And I got to say, I was like, oh, I just want like a quick, fun read. And he so quickly, it's just crazy to think back at like, and this is what I strive for is like, you know, these guys and ladies were just like, you could do one standalone and it'd be like the best book you ever read, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy to see what they do in you know, 20 pages to get you to love a character so much that by the end, you're like, you know, want to cheer or cry for them. I think it's yeah, kind of yeah. crazy, but yeah. yeah. So I definitely get what you're saying. I, I like that type of structure. The Dragonlance too, it was cool to, you know, go with certain characters, but you know, sometimes they would go off on their own and have their own trilogy. And, you know, sometimes they come back and yeah, do the main line, but I, I think that's great, you know, because you're, you know, if you can get people to enjoy those characters, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, um, oh, who was I listening to? Um, totally blanking. Um, oh, um, uh, Hickman and Weiss, like they were yeah. talking about, you know, like how, you know, if you get those good characters, you know, when they were referencing Bob as well, you know, where, you know, they're like, if you can keep going like with the Dark Elf, like that's going to be a well that's there, you know, and you can keep coming back to, which obviously, you know, he does quite a bit, you know, with the timeless and boundless and, you know, those yeah. new, you know, those newer books. But yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a great strategy, though. That's what I'm shooting for. So hopefully cool. we're both right. <laughs> we <can> just, <laughs> I always tease people. I'm like, I want to take over the Forgotten Realms market. <laughs> but that's awesome, though. Like, I, I always like hearing, you know, people that are just getting to them or, you know, within the last couple of years, because I grew up, you know, like middle school, I started reading them and they completely changed my life. Like between R.I. Salvatore, Elaine Cunningham, Paul S. Kemp. I mean, you know, like those were people that made me want to write. And I like, I had to write after that, you know, after reading their books. And I just think it's, it's always great to hear, you know, I always love meeting somebody else that's read them. I, I stand on my pulpit all the time. And I'm like, (laughs) you guys got to read these, you know, like at least read, you know, the dark elf or the crystal shard or something like that. But 
That's super cool. Well, it's really exciting to hear though. I like hearing that other authors are, you know, trying the same thing I am to, you know, to do that same type of thing with their characters. To me, that just makes it more exciting. And, you know, rather than just, oh, they're three and they're done and we never get back to this great world I built. It's like, no, I want to, you know, spend some time and, you know, peruse the sites and things like that in your world, you know, so that's really exciting to hear. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. All right. Well, speaking of your world. <clears throat> so for that third question, so what are your two current books, The Assassin, and how do you say it again? Malkose. Malkose. Yeah. And then The Treasure of Lorev about, mm-hmm. and how did you come up with these ideas? Uh, so the first book was um, sort of a mix of a few things. I had a plot line in my head. I had started writing it. I actually started writing it because I was waiting. Um, I went to my parents' house. I was going to pick up my mom. We always go to like shop these bookstore together. So mm-hmm. I was sitting and I was waiting for her to come home. And I remember just opening a Google doc and I just typed uh, a chapter for a character, a type of character that I would want to write a story about. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up loving the chapter so much. And my mind just started like taking the story further and further. And so I, just continue writing the story. Um, as I got to a certain point, though, I realized the storyline I had uh, just wasn't really compelling. So I ended up combining, and this ha- I know this happens a lot to other authors too, but I'm combining a few different pieces of other stories I mm. had that made sense. And then mm. all the pieces started to kind of click and come into place. Um, but as far as the plot line for it, uh, there's four uh, different characters. Three of them are uh, protagonists, um, sort of iconic style of protagonist. You have a mercenary who has, you know, been in the game a long time and he doesn't know if he can he can hang up his boots or not. And then you have a young boy who uncovers a new power that the kingdom hasn't seen in ages and the impact mm-hmm. on his life that has. And then uh, the king's daughter is toiling between uh, sort of her path post-graduation. And so you have these three different pretty... Um, uh, similar iconic styles of, of protagonists of fantasy, but the three of them are unwittingly united when an assassin, uh, he has a plot to kill the king. And so when that plot comes forth, it unwittingly unites them and then it mm. changes the kingdom forever. So I use that as sort of like a, a launching pad for what I'm going to be able to do in that world. Oh, and then uh, with the second book, I decided instead of having so many characters, Uh, it's a little more uh, contracted. So it's a science fiction treasure hunt. And there's uh, two guys who basically are like uh, my my, uh, Nate and Sully, because I'm a big Uncharted fan. And (laughs) so I was like, what if you took Uncharted and put it in like a cyberpunk type setting? Like, what if you mash those up? And so I was like, all right, cool. So then I have my Nate and Sully and I was like, they look for technological artifacts. And so when they find a piece of one, they end up running into... um, it's the granddaughter of this device's creator. And she's sort of like the major from ghost in the shell. She, that's sort of like oh, my homage to that character. Yeah. Cause I love, I love that series. Um, even like standalone complex, all the additional ones. I loved all those little series. So the three of them end up getting uh, together. And so the three of them are on a hunt for all these different uh, technological artifacts. They're trying to find all the pieces before the villain. And so the mm-hmm. villain is an engineer that's remade himself cybernetically and he has plans to enslave the people of Lorev digitally. And so there's like this big race against time element. So the cool thing too uh, is each of the illustrations has them in front of a vehicle to kind of emphasize that like race against time uh, mm. element as well. So all of my books also have full uh, illustrations. In fact, I can oh, that's really pop cool. up some for you here real quick. So yeah, so every character. Oh yeah, I love character. that guy. 
Yeah, all the main characters are illustrated. And then I also put um, additional pieces of scenery too, which was really, oh, really fun. Cool. Yeah, so I became like, um, this is another character there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then I'll put like the um, like scenery as well. Oh, that's cool. I like that. That's very like old school like, I'm a big, sci-fi. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the pulps as a template. Yeah, um, yeah. I, ha- I haven't read enough of them to be like, oh, I'm, you know, pulp aficionado. I wish I was. And I'm still continuing to, you know, I picked up a lot of the Raven Chandler stuff and I've got a big backlog and so I'll churn through those. But I love their template. Like the idea mm-hmm. that you have quick, fast paced fiction that's very visual, um, that gets right to the point, but has characters that you really become invested in. And I, when I thought about that template, I'm like, that template is more in line with our attention spans yeah. than the current books on the shelves. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. this is so bizarre to me, you know? And then on this one, because it's a treasure hunt, every time they go to oh, a new location, cool. so every time they go to a new location, there's a piece of scenery that's drawn by an artist, uh, Cy Gardner. He actually works for Powerhouse Animation that does like the oh, Castle wow. Anime stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, uh, this was like one of his last uh, gigs before he got that one, and he's way too busy for me now. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, he's, he's incredible. And so I have uh, an incredible amount of illustrations. This one has, I think gosh almost 20 different illustrations maybe because oh, wow. there's like 13 cities and four characters see so yeah, about 17 in, uh different illustrations and then this one has my first fantasy book has six illustrations so uh i'm big on um having a lot of visual uh entertainment for people as well yeah yeah well that's cool i like the idea of like a cyberpunk like treasure hunt <laughs> like, yeah as somebody that's searched for treasure, I think that that just sounds awesome. So yeah, my my quick byline for that was Uncharted meets Blade Runner. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's well, that's what I like. I don't know if you played like the Warhammer any of the games, but like they have like a uh, one called Blackstone Keep, and I I highly recommend it. I'm more of a D and D fan and Pathfinder, but I got into Warhammer more and more because we were playing that game, and mm-hmm. it it literally it's very similar though like you go to these fortresses and you have to uncover certain tech you know in order to do certain things i don't want to give it away because it's really fun um but yeah i highly recommend it yeah it's really cool but that's what now you know i I thought of like doing something like that because i like that and i'm going to be taking my fantasy series and go eventually going two thousand years into the future and writing my sci-fi that way but it's going to be more of a sci-fi fantasy you know like star wars sort of thing because that's like my first love you know and i can't get away from it i i've never gotten over star wars um (laughs) yeah but that's cool though because that's that's like exactly like my type of book because that's exactly what like i want to write and read so that's like really really cool so i'm really glad to uh to hear you pitch it that way so thanks (laughs) that's really cool well, that's, I wanted to just ask you real quick in terms of like illustrations. So, um, cause I know some people have been, you know, asked me about those, um, in particular, and I'm like, I don't know. I never really thought about it. Uh, I was just curious at how you guys decided on, you know, what the illustration was going to be like, what kind of that process was like? Uh, it, it was really interesting and, uh, I felt very, uh, fortunate in the people that I was able to work with. So when I finished my book, I knew um, that I wanted to have a cover that was very timeless and that was actually illustrated. Mm. Uh, So, you know, I was a big fan of the cover for The Way of Kings. When you look at the whole thing, 
Yeah, it's nice. So that so that was a big inspiration for me visually on what oh, cool. I wanted for my cover on the Assassin of Malcose. Like, if you notice, uh, like anybody who ends up picking up the book, there's basically like uh, a character looking off in the distance at this castle and this kingdom, and you can see a lot that's going on. Uh, so I knew I at least wanted an illustrated cover, and then I thought, you know, I want to, you know, obviously use the pulp template. I need, you know, a couple of scene, uh, like scenery pieces, and then mm. I would like the four main characters to get illustrated. So I went online to ArtStation and I just started looking around to see who I liked. And I found this artist, his name was Emilis Januskevic and he's from Lithuania and I emailed him. I emailed actually several people because I figured, well, I may not have an opportunity to get some of these artists. So I need to find like, you know, multiple. He mm -hmm. was the one I wanted the most, but um, I had emailed several and uh, he was actually the first to respond, which was really cool. And his prices were very competitive compared to some people that I had picked. Like one guy was a concept artist for like the Star Wars movies and his art was really cool, but out of my price range for uh, yeah, a, meager, yeah. a meager new author. So, <laughs> but uh, Emilis did an incredible job um, and he was uh, such a sweetheart because he helped uh, like teach me as far as the contract side like I actually have like a contracting template because of his professionalism oh, um, like I knew about different things that I would need to do like I was like okay I want to make sure like I own all of this copyright for these images because I resell them at the comic cons and I use them for promotional material um, and so I told him that's what I was looking for and he's like hey I have this contract and so like you know I, I use that um, and he did both of my covers and all of my characters but unfortunately, when he did my la my second book, he said he's not doing freelance art anymore. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. changed, but all his stuff disappeared because I'd emailed him. I said, hey, I, I really, you know, my books can be finished at this date. This is when my rough drafts do. I'm, you know, I'd love to have you uh, illustrate. And he's like, oh, yeah, definitely. Just let me know when it's done. You know, I said June. He's like, OK, yeah, I'll be available in June. Let's do it in June. So then I went to go email him in June or like close to the end date, give him some advance notice. And everything was gone. His art station oh, wow. was gone. Like all his profiles online were gone. So I was scared. I'm like, oh my God, did, did yeah. something happen to him? Like, is he, did he like, you know, who knows? So I, uh, I emailed him like super nervous. And then he emailed me back and he's like, yeah, I'm not doing freelance art. I have, you know, something else going on. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, well, but I will do this last book because I promised you I'd do it, which was cool. So yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I got like the last commissioned art from him, wow. which was really, really, uh, I haven't double checked that. So if I'm wrong, yeah. I'm wrong. I'm sure the internet will be able to tell me if I'm wrong. Or yeah. Not. Well, <laughs> but, still, uh, as far the, as I know, the I have the last ones, right? commissioned work. For him. Yeah. Well, still, even if you yeah, weren't the last so, one, you'd be the like, last little bit, right? You know? Yeah. I'm in the mix. Yeah. yeah. And so oh, I wanted, really um, little chapter headers to go like to be a visual primer and that's when yeah, i got yeah. cy gardner involved because i looked at his instagram and instagram is another great way to find artists because you can really scroll through their portfolio yeah. uh so i messaged people either email or instagram but i found him on instagram we connected he was uh you know just incredible he did such great work for me um he actually has a new uh promo piece i just got done that is mm -hmm. um if you go to my website uh, you can either go ashernovels.com and you'll find all my stuff there. There's an intro video and the actual intro image that sort of shows this person like piloting a ship through the intercontinents. He, he did that image for me. So oh, um, cool. yeah, I've used him for, for other stuff going forward because his art is just really, really exciting. So if you're an author looking for an artist, 
uh, don't feel uh, too scared to just message them on Instagram or, or email them. If you say that you're looking for a commission and, you know, you ask them their rates, uh, a lot of people, you know, do, I didn't get responses from some, but you know, they're very busy, but you'll generally mm. be able to find someone if you want. And then um, the other thing is if you have an illustrator, you also need a cover designer because those are two different things. Yeah. And when the book first came out for the Assassin of Malcose, I just like mocked it up myself because I have a, a pretty good background at just like a rough design, like being able to line everything up and, and put some thought and everything. And I got it done. But then um, as I saw the cover more and more, I was like, that's not good enough. So I had a cover designer redo the font the books have a matte finish now, um, you know, and her name's Elizabeth Mackey and she does exceptional, oh, yeah. um, exceptional work. Uh, she was really smart about where to put the lettering, how to use the negative space, which fonts to use. Um, so if you end up needing like that one, two punch, I would highly recommend Elizabeth Mackey for the actual like font and design portion. If you have a fully illustrated cover, uh, because her, uh, like her eye for where everything should go is really, really good. Um, in fact, the Treasure of Lorev, that cover, I entered into a cover contest and I was a finalist. Uh, and that's the oh, only wow. cover contest I've entered. Yeah. So uh, they both do great work. So. Oh, that's excellent. I, I definitely get what you're saying about like the like artists. Like I, I was like, oh, I want some, some things done for my website and, you know, images and things. And I like messaged so many people and I was able to find, I'll, I'll tell everybody I was able to find Caleb Gosens. So if you go to my website and you like the you know three pieces he's done for me, he's absolutely amazing. He's way too cheap. I tried tipping him <laughs> a couple of times and he was like, no, no. I'm like the amount of rework he'll do too is like crazy. Um, and now he's like really slammed. So I have to get a hold of him like six months in advance. <laughs> so I know pretty soon he's going to be out of my price range for those things, but it's nice to see, you know, cause my first, like, you know, um, I tried to get him on here a few times. He's like, oh, no, that's okay. And I had this other artist, too. And I think that's what happened to the other artist that I really liked. All of his stuff are, is gone, and he was going to do my my book cover. And I'm like, Jeremy Adams, where are you? Like, I'm <laughs> trying to find him in yeah. the void. So it's, it's funny that you had a similar experience. So, yeah, oh, that's really cool. That's interesting. Yeah. I know more and more people that are doing that. Like, Mike Lar Fletcher, um, he, he has been doing that. Um, uh, with Felix Ortiz now where they've been, you know, I know he's a big pulp guy though, like particularly, you know, for like older sci-fi and mm-hmm. cyberpunk and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think if you, you know, grew up on those types of books or just like reading those types of books, I mean, I, you know, it's like a lot of those things, I feel like come back in style. Like you, like you said, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I really like like the, uh, you know, the Fritz Lieber, um, like Ray Mauser and Farhad, you know, like just, I don't know. I'm looking at my shelf now. There's just so many books that <laughs> give me the pulpy vibe, you know, and yeah, yeah. It's funny how some of them are coming back like John Carter and Mars. I absolutely love those books. And uh, I found a beautiful one actually um, where like his, I haven't read it yet. It's like his son like takes over or whatever and it's his adventures, but it's so pulpy. And when I opened it up on accident the other day, it had like the different swords and stuff at the top of the chapter. Oh. Uh, and I, yeah, I was going through and then it had some different illustrations and stuff. And I was like, I got this thing for like 50 cents, you know, at a used sale <laughs> recently. And I mean, it's like, it's gorgeous. So it really made me rethink, you know, illustrations and things like that. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's super cool. They look great, by the way, they look fabulous. So thank you. I, you're going to get me in trouble, Brian, because then I'm going to need your book on uh, <laughs> I'm one of my shelves and I'm running out of room and 
my wife's going to get upset. So Kindle doesn't do justice for the illustrations and things. So <laughs> yeah, I have all my illustrations on there and I, I didn't know this until I hired someone. So I had initially had the ebook for my first book, uh, the assassin of Alcose. I, I did the ebook myself and I, I, it took me forever to get it to work properly. It was such a headache and it still gave me trouble. And then, uh, when I redid the cover, I also went back and, and removed a few typos and, and updated a couple of things. I didn't like change anything dramatic between if you have an older copy and now, but just cleaned up some things, uh, some formatting and stuff. And then, um, I, I was so frustrated trying to get that new word doc into an ebook that I ended up taking the ebook down. And then when I hired somebody, they're like, Oh, basically what people do, everything is times new Roman. And then unless you want to make each individual page an image, which is a grueling process and super expensive. Yeah. If you hire someone, you could do it yourself, but it's, it's horribly grueling. So the sad part with the ebook is that you lose all of the formatting and like oh, wow. the, the first book, it's not as big of a, a deal, but on the second book, like for instance, um, I'll just pull up a chapter as an image. Like I put a lot of effort into the formatting. So like, yeah. I'll have very specific formatting on, on what it's telling you on, like this city and where it is and then the font itself. And I, I put a lot of effort into the visual experience when you open my books. That's very important to me. And the eBooks just put a blowtorch to that. And it, I see Times New Roman. And even if you look at like, um, cause I was like, well, what does Brandon Sanderson do? He's the man. What's his stuff? Times yeah. New Roman. The Stormlight Archive and eBook is Times New Roman. Oh, broke my heart. So, wow. <laughs> so yeah, paperback. Yeah. So I, cause I was at first when she told me that I thought she was like, Oh, she's just feeding me a line. And then I looked and I, I opened the Stormlight archive and sure enough, it was like times new Roman with like just, you know, one big capital letter. Uh, so I was like, yeah, if, if you do read my material, feel free on ebook, it is less expensive, but man, it's not the same. It's just not the same. And my paperbacks are only like 10 bucks. So it's yeah. not a big difference between the ebook and the paperback. Well, it's crazy because there's this one author that I wanted to read so bad and um, I I try and try, but it's like, I don't know what's up with the, I think it's like, she just has such a big book. Well, I met her uh, last winter and I just, I was like, just give me all your books. <laughs> she goes, what? And I was like, I just, I was like, I just want to finish this first book. It's a lot like the, the Witcher. I said, just drives me nuts because I'll get through like eight pages of you know um you know eight pages or whatever uh, maybe it's 10 sometimes i you know on kindle and it's not even one page of her book and i'm like there's no way that's right so i was like yeah. that number in the corner messes with me so much so i yeah. i literally just buy bought like all eight of her books <laughs> and you know, she's looking at me and i was like, she's like well give me a deal i'm like i don't care i go can you just sign them <laughs> she, she signed them and i brought him back and i started to read it was so much you know more preferable but i knew another guy who i don't want to say but um you know it was just funny because like his his font is horrible on kindle like horrible and yeah. it's like so mushed together and i've tried fixing it you know where you can you know change it or whatever mm -hmm. as you read it but it's like nothing i do changes his formatting and it's supposed to be a great story so he's one where i'm like i'm just gonna have to buy the printed version so i've definitely yeah. seen that and he's like yeah i've tried fixing it and this and that and he was like at this point he was like people either buy it or they don't or they buy that's why I, yeah that's why I hired like, someone. I got so frustrated. I just hired someone. Uh, I talked to an author named uh, Stacy Marie Brown, 
And I asked her like, Hey, do you do your own ebook editing? She was like, hell no, here's somebody you should talk to. <laughs> so I use that person now. Yeah. It just sounds like such a headache. That's, that's like, um, I know at some point soon, like I probably already screwed myself over with my wisdom teeth. I haven't had an issue with them with years, but I'm sure at some point I will. Then they're going to be like, Oh, you should have came. Now they're like fused to your jaw or something. <laughs> but I, I told the, I told the dentist last time I was like, I will pay you extra. I don't even care. Cause my brother did it like live, you know, where he didn't, he just, they just did the anesthetic. It took him 40 minutes to get one out. So he was telling me about the process. I was like, that just sounds awful. I was like, when I go put me under, I'll pay you eight grand, cut them out. I want to wake up, eat some ice cream and feel fine. I kind of feel in that way about the formatting, <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, I would much rather pay somebody to do it and not have to worry about it than to do that. Like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it just seems like it more and more. And I've just talked to certain people. I'm just like, yeah, I'm like already set money aside for it to be quite honest. So, yeah. uh, so we talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, you did mention, you know, we got this big sandbox world. Is there like a number, you know, that you have? Like, are you like, because I know I'm like, oh, I'm going to do like 15 in this fantasy world. And, you know, if it doesn't really take, I'll probably move on and maybe come back later or something like that. You know, when the iron strikes a little hotter, um, you know, and I kind of have those numbers in my head, you know, for, for various titles and things. I got a monster hunter or uh, sorry, a Roman fantasy, military fantasy mixed with vampires. I'm like three you know, I'm thinking that kind of thing. So I was just was curious at, you know, are you just like, oh, just really open right now if it blows up or were you planning on like maybe six or something like that? Like, you know, I just was curious at what your plans are so far in terms of this world. Uh, I have, so with the characters that are in the fantasy side, I have three stories that are uh, in my head right now. Obviously the first one's mm -hmm. out. And then I have two more stories with those characters um that's what i plan for them as far as the rest of the universe um i haven't really put any specific like number um i plan to play in it as, as long as i possibly can and new stories come to be constantly and one thing i'll do too is i'll have different little side characters that will be um involved in the books for maybe a short amount of time they're very ancillary but i'll intentionally leave them in certain places so I can do little stories with them too. So like in the oh, Treasure of cool. Laura Rev, there's a lackey guy who's only in it for a little bit. Um, and then he kind of gets like wiped away. But I have a story for him in mind that I'm going to use either for a short story um, that I could use like in some of the pulp magazines that are coming out now. Like I know there's that um, Kursova magazine, I think, a few others. Um, I can't remember all their names, but there, there are magazines now that are coming out. And so I have all these little short stories that I can pull from, or I can use them for the individual little like comic books, like, oh, these stories, I can make these little oh, um, that'd be cool. uh, graphic novels. And then any, as far as outside of this world, I do have, um, sort of another, uh, universe that's somewhat connected, uh, that I've left the seeds there, but I'm not, I'm not saying too much about it because it's still very early on but i have a story that i'll be telling in another place um, oh, that also cool. somewhat explains the creation of the intercontinents and the something oh world. that's cool yeah but i want to save that for a little bit later just because it's it'll have so much uh depth to the universe itself that i feel i'd like to establish more of this universe before i jump into that but yeah i don't have any specific way to um 
to say like, oh, only a certain number of books. Uh, and another thing I do intentionally is I don't have any maps on any of my stuff. Mm -hmm. One, because there's maps and everything. Um, but two, even though I, I'm such a sucker for maps. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, yeah. But also, um, I don't want to limit myself to where they can go. And if I make yeah. a map, I can only be in that space. Because otherwise, yep. you know, people could be like, oh, here's all these issues. Uh, and so I don't I don't put a map so that it can feel limitless and it can feel like there's there's all this room out there and there's so many places you could be. Or if I create a new place, then I can say like, yeah, this place is here. It's always been there. Whereas if I have a map, then, you know, it kind of limits me. But I do have a rough mm. idea of like the total intercontinents and anybody who reads my books um, especially the first one, it talks a lot more about all the different uh, intercontinents. So uh, you'll get an idea of sort of how they all line up. Yeah, I was just curious, but I think you, you know, you said, you know, you, you plan on playing in the sandbox for a few. So I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely, you know, <laughs> not that you need to do, you know, need to pull off a Terry Pratchett, but, you know, <laughs> but it is fun, right? To have, yeah. you know, all these things go on. That's cool though, like having, you know, plans for different short stories and magazines and, you know, graphic novels and things like that. I mean, yeah, I really want to like, expand you know, it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's, that'd be really cool. I think that's just like one of the more fun things, I guess, to me is, you know, being able to create something and to be able to, you know, like, I mean, I think that's really what's so cool about, you know, Brandon Sanderson, you know, with the Cosmere is, you know, like you, you know, you have all these different stories and you, you know, you don't realize they're connected until, you know, later. And, you know, you have all these people that, you know, meet and cross and things like that. Maybe not crazy, like, uh, you know, Malazan book of the fallen or something like that, but oh, there yeah. is still a, you know, a connection with everything. So yeah, that's, that's super cool. I just think that, I think personally that adds a lot of depth to the world. I think that's why people like star Wars so much and Lord of the Rings, oh, yeah. you know, and, you know, to build one of those things, I think would be really cool. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, so how did you go about your world building for your intercontinents? Like, what was that process like? Um, that just to me, that's just a cool idea. I'm a geography minor. So ah. that, that just really, that's just a really cool idea. So I was just curious how you came up with that. Uh, so there's a few things. So I have a friend, his name's Kevin, and me and him had always wanted to do a comic book together. In fact, we had actually started making one in, in earnest. Oh, cool. um, but then, you know, life kind of gets in the way and yeah. it takes a lot of time, a lot more time yeah. to draw than to write. And he was yep. the artist. He's really talented, but, you know, just sometimes life gets in the way. And we had talked about um, uh, sort of like a similar world to the intercontinents where you have like all these different little worlds and they're all kind of in this this egg atmosphere and you know what they would be and so to me when I, I started making this uh, story I said I want to set it in a world that's an homage to our idea because um, I always had so much fun like creating with him and we would just go for like a walk you know at like 2 a.m and just talk about like all our creative ideas or we'd be up all night you know sketching and having all these creative jam sessions and I just uh, had so much um, respect for his imagination and what we did that I was like, I have to have some type of like piece of that within these stories. And so that the intercontinence is like an homage to that and our friendship. Um, oh, that's cool. And he was actually my first friend in kindergarten. So <laughs> it's oh, kind of wow. crazy. Yeah. So it just, yeah, there's just so many little layers there, but that that's where it came from as far as world building beyond it. When it came to the fantasy side, um, I wanted to have something that that felt a little fresh. So the magic system for them and also would have room to grow. 
So the magic system in my fantasy world, it's all about elements and minerals. I'm a big full metal oh, alchemist cool. fan too. And so yeah. I like the idea of like alchemy, like they're playing with all these minerals and they're playing with all these elements and they make them have these like more explosive, exciting reactions than just, you know, what we see, you know, mm. today. Right. So just being able to have all these different little cool elements and then uh, everybody from that area. And then a few other areas has like an aura that's like around them. Uh, that's almost like you can use it to like enhance a punch or to like if you block it can be almost like a little bit of a shield around you but it doesn't it doesn't have any major properties and it's almost like a muscle like the people who actually like are soldiers and stuff like they are really really proficient with it and normal people are like yeah you know i i could use it but you know I, i'm not that great at it um and so the young boy in that book he his aura ends up manifesting a new power and so that will have huge ramifications down the line. Mm -hmm. So that's where like the world building comes from them. And then the interconnectivity between the places, I'll just drop little hints. Like for instance, when the young boy's going to school, he's reading about Lorev and he's reading about their technology and, and what oh, they have. Cool. But Malcose is, is rural and more of a medieval style, similar to like um, a good example is for a lot of people know is like the wizarding world of Harry Potter has a very mm -hmm. different feel because all of their industry is around this magic. So they don't have all these different pieces of technology because they don't need it. Their whole world revolves around a different type of uh, industry. And so to me, I'm like, okay, well, Malcose can have a different style of industry and way of life because that's their way of life. They're more isolated. They want to be that way. Whereas Lorev, they're more open. They have more people coming in. They're very metropolitan. They're all about technology but they don't like the magic. They find the magic like scary and perverse. And so I'm able to sort of um, interlay like these little moments where people will talk about these different places and also bring up how they feel about these places and how there's like more of that emotional impact uh, that you would see just between our own world. You know, there's places in our world now that, you know, they don't even have telephone poles, right? Yeah. And some of those places, they don't even want them. They're happy yeah. the way they are. And so I think sometimes we take for granted like, in a in a uh, fictional setting like oh well they if this place is sci-fi everybody would have it it's like yeah, yeah. you know we we don't so like why would that be any different for a fictional world so um those are my examples i kind of use to to justify how these places are so different and yet um still know about each other the history teacher me really likes that because that's really like cultural diffusion in a nutshell. And I feel like if I, my buddy and I talk about this a lot where we, you know, I've had this idea, particularly with like Malzan Book of the Fallen, where I'm like, they have these amazing energies that they can use from different realms. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's crazy to think that only the kitchen chamal, like the lizard people have this ability to, um, you know, like manifest machines. And mm. I said, we like, we're discussing, we're like, well, what a society that is, has that magic system and that much power where you can create a nuclear weapon, basically from the palm of your hand, like, would you actually create a nuclear weapon? Like you probably wouldn't. So yeah. we really got into that magic versus, you know, like, I actually think it would, you know, magic would be a crutch personally, you know, yeah. when you like, if you could fly, why would you need an airplane? Mm -hmm. You know? And I just yeah. think at a certain point, you know, so I think that makes sense with geography like that completely actually works with my argument with <laughs> what I said to him was like, you know, like you, I don't think you would use, I think you, you do, you, I think you'd use tech or you would use 
magic. I don't think he would do a blend of the two personally. Cause why, why would you need to, you know? So yeah. I think that makes total sense. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah. Technology comes from necessity, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Necessity and want. So yep. yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. That's no, just good world building right there. So I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so what is one writing tool or strategy that you would like to try in your next book or series? Mm, that is a very good question. I've gotten so many good answers. Everybody said oh. something different and it's never one that I expect to hear. So, so. Oh man, now the pressure's on. Uh, gosh, well, because we know. all think it's, you know, we all, we, well, it's interesting. It's an interesting question, right? Because we each take it differently. Yeah. And that's where, like, the different answers I've got, like, somebody, I don't want to say, but, like, I'll say after you answer, but it's, like, I would not have thought of any of the, you know, like, I have different ones than you do, you know, and I just think it's important to point out, you know, is that, you know, something that, you know, you might find really helpful, I might be like, oh, okay, I haven't considered that to be a writing tool strategy, <laughs> so it's been one yeah. of the most helpful in terms of my writing process, so. Yeah. I mean, as far, I don't use a ton of like specific tools um, because the way my writing process is, is that like, I'll get either a character or, or a story idea. Like, I'll, you know, like my second book, I'm like, I want to write a treasure hunt, you know, sci-fi treasure hunter. I'll want to write like a specific character doing like a specific adventure. Um, so my outline process has gotten more, more and more refined. I mean, one thing I would like to try that I see a lot of people do is they'll do kind of like the storyboard thing. Well, they'll have mm. all these little notes of all these little like moments. Um, but that's really how my outline process is. Like I don't write, um, like my page count tends to be like 250, 270, and I want to keep it that way. Uh, and the way I'm able to do that is each chapter is like a moment. So I'll just have like a moment. Um, but being able to do that in more of a larger storyboard way would be cool. I did get to do that when I did my comic book script. I was mm. able to like really like I was taking the little square rectangle tool and like drawing yeah, out the yeah. panels on there and then like correlating that to the dialogue. Um, so I would like to do more with the graphic novel format. Um, like my comic, I kept it small on purpose, but I would love to do like, for instance, that comic's 32 pages. Like, I would love to do something that's like um, like a six-issue size or a five-issue size, you know, which is over 100 pages. And yeah. actually being able, because then you'd have to really sit back and go, okay, I have this many pages economically. How do I use all of these spaces to get the point across, but without wasting panels? Because that's a big yeah. thing that I learned when I did that uh, first script, is I had the script written out just like in order of like the moments, but then visually, like as, as a director taking it and making these little snippets of like, here's where I think this would convey the best image to like bring you there visually to do that at a larger scale, like uh, similar to how people, you know, the difference between writing like a pulp size fiction and like the, for lack of a better term, the phone book fantasy, where it's like this yeah. huge, huge undertaking, like a stormlight archive. So if I could do that from when I get into the graphic novel format more, that's something I'm really excited about because it would be a really, really big challenge. Hmm. I didn't consider that. I actually think that that would just be good in terms of, because I always struggle with outlines. I think it's because it's just words. So I actually mm -hmm. think story... I was originally going to be an illustrator. Not that I was that good, but that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> I was pretty good at drawing, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I wanted, that's all I want to do is just to draw comics and then write my own. And 
do my own drawings. I mean, yeah. So I, I think that that would actually, maybe that's yeah. what's holding me back for outlining. So that's actually a really good answer. Somebody Let's said like to, yeah, somebody said to do, um, go to like a writing like conference, like a retreat. And I'm like, did he consider that a tool or strategy? And I was like, that's a pretty good one. And then yeah. somebody else uh, the last week had said um, that they wanted to try different points of view and, you know, particularly um, like a first person point of view in a particular type of story. And I was like, oh, that would be really cool. So I actually started doing my prequel novella from that point of view just to see if, yeah. you know, I was like, just felt a little bit easier that way i don't know maybe it's because i'm a dresden fan and <laughs> it's that yeah. same point of view but yeah it's just, it's interesting though like i said before you answered it's interesting to see what different people come up with i would not have thought of ever i've not considered one person's answer something that i would have said they would have picked but storyboarding would be a really cool one yeah really bust like out that. that rectangle tool on word yeah yeah <laughs> i think i think i'm actually gonna do that because i always think of it more you know like I'll look at art and I'll be like, like, that's where I got the idea from my last couple of characters. I got another novella I'm almost done with, like a fantasy novella. And I saw this amazing art piece of this like rogue, like a, he just looked like, I don't know. He looked like he was like from the Middle East, but in a fantasy setting. And mm, he's yeah. got this great black outfit and these piercing eyes. And he's like trying to, you would love it. I'll have to send it to you. It's amazing. Like yeah, he's trying to do. open up this artifact and yeah. it has a magical effect that looks like, it looks like he's fantasy, but it's sci-fi and huh. it hit me. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, you know, I was like, what would happen if you, you know, you had a sci-fi like technology um, that's ran with by magic, so to speak. And then this, you know, little thief gets a hold of it and like yeah. trouble ensues. So, I mean, it was yeah. really cool, but, but I'm thinking like, you know, that would help me, I think, because I do that anyway, you know, and there's times where I do, I'm like, Oh, I, like there was this one um, blonde, like very Viking looking warrior that this one female artist had done. And she did like six different ones, I think. And I mean, this, it's like a girl with this aqua, like, like this teal cloak, uh, cloak and, she got this amazing like bronze, like long sword. And I was just like, that's gotta be a character in one of my books. And I took the <laughs> six different images, you know, and, and came up with a really cool character for her. And she's just going to be awesome. Everybody's going to love her, I think. But, you know, that really helped me. So I feel like storyboarding would be a lot more helpful than just doing an outline, you know, how I've been outlining with just words. So I'm going to steal that. Sorry, Brian. That's <laughs> oh, you're good. Yeah. Have you used Scrivener at all? I haven't, but I know some people I... like it for storyboarding. I've never you know, touched it. I, I okay. I do find it helpful. I have not found it helpful because I feel like I have to take time out of writing to teach myself how to use it. Um, oh, you know, like so it's yeah. just easier just to write right now. Um, yeah. which I feel fortunate that that's the case. But I do I bought it and I do really want to like expand on it because I <laughs> but I need to like just have time to you know, right now it's just like my only time to write is my writing time. So to, you know, to do that, my friend said that there are some seminars that he went to where, um, you know, some of the bigger ones like Gen Con and stuff, I think was the one last one he went to was last year, I think he said, and they like, somebody was like teaching um, Scrivener tools. Um, but I was, I was thinking I might okay. actually take a masterclass on that actually through Udemy. Um or not Udemy, uh, there was another one like that. So I think I might actually yeah. do that. 
Uh, one of my friends also was like, he's really good at it. So I think him and I, in the next couple of months, when we have a vacation day together, might actually, you know, he's just going to teach me how to do it. <laughs> but I was just like, it, 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 I mean, the things that you can do with it, that's why I bought it is it seems like it's super helpful, but I tried watching a couple of videos and it just, that's not how I learn. So I just need someone to like run through it with me. And I feel like it's going to be like a really helpful tool. Maybe that's what I need to do. I need to have him come on and we'll do a, a Scrivener YouTube episode. That way everybody knows how to do it. I'm going to yeah. write that down actually Scrivener how to. Yeah. I've never messed around with it. The other, uh, there's another interesting uh, writing process that I'll throw at you. Uh, Ian Fleming, who wrote the James Bond books. Have you ever oh, heard yeah. what he did to finish all those? Uh-uh. So he would check himself in to a slightly crappy hotel in a place that he didn't want to stay in because it would force <laughs> him and he wouldn't leave until the book was done. So it would force him to get it done because he didn't want to be there anymore. So it was just <laughs> uncomfortable enough that he would want to leave. And that was yeah. his process. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah, like no really- inspiration retreats for him. Just <laughs> nasty beds and like no good food. Oh, that's crazy. Well, that's the opposite of Will White was doing because he was doing like cheap cruises and he wouldn't know anybody like him and Ben Galley were nice. I don't think they were together, <laughs> but they both did that. And uh, yeah, Ben, like when I had him on, he was like, yeah, I had to find like different places to go. Like he was going to I know he lives up in Canada, uh, past me a ways, but he was saying like he, you know, would get like an Airbnb at like a cabin or something. And, oh yeah, yeah. You know, do that. Um, I was like, yeah, it's like that does sound very interesting, but I like writing by the beach, like or at a lake. Like, take me to a cabin by the lake, and I'll get a lot done that week. But last time it was two weeks ago, we did that. I did not get a lot done. I just we had way <laughs> too much fun, you know, hanging out and doing whatever, going everywhere, but. Yeah, well, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm definitely have to storyboard now. I think that's going to be a really good idea. I have a new whiteboard that I'm getting, and I'm looking at the space now. It would actually be perfect to, uh, you know, to you know, do yeah. the pictures or you know, print out with magnets. I did see somebody do that, so I think that's a really good idea. Well, we probably are cheating on this question, but what is one medium you would love to see your books turned into? Obviously, I've talked about graphic novels, left, right, and center, so. That's a big one. Uh, animated series, I'm a big fan of. I love all the, uh, like, I think there's just opportunities to be uh, very true to the material because you're not having to pay for all the crazy special effects. Yeah. Which yeah, would yeah. happen. So, you know, seeing the Castlevania anime, how uh, very well that was done. Yeah. You know, that that's uh, an incredible one. And just seeing a lot of the animated series where people, you know, put a lot of effort into it. That would be a big one for me. That would be cool. Castlevania is awesome. I got through like season two. I just realized like the newer season just came up. So I got to definitely get. Oh, got to finish up. it. It <laughs> yeah. completes, it completes the story. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that, uh, the masters of the universe, like the revelations one, uh, was drawn more in that Castlevania type of style. Mm, now they have like okay. the more kitty ones, but, but that one was like, I was actually surprised at how good it was. I was like, Holy moly. Like they, the first two seasons of it, they like, totally took the story and turned it around and made it very fresh, which I thought was very impressive, but I didn't think I would ever want that until I saw Castlevania. And then that like masters of the universe revelations, I was like, Oh, this is a really cool, you know? And my friend was like, you would assume that you're a, you know, an art guy and a graphic novel guy. He's like, like, I almost had a graphic novel out, but the pandemic, you know, 
yeah, <laughs> screwed yeah. that up and i'm sorry everybody maybe one of these days you'll get the story i'm actually trying to find speak of artists trying to find a new artist we talked about uh, eventually doing on kickstarter uh, or something like that but yeah i think that'd be really cool that's a good one i didn't consider that one but i kind of want it all now yeah <laughs> like, if brandon gets that you know we should all get to be on whatever medium <laughs> yeah well that's awesome well now i would really like to see yours as an anime i think that would be like really really cool yeah yeah i can like already see it in my head like playing out so yeah, yeah that'd be awesome well, you know, anybody in the audience, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, get a hold of Brian and animate, you know, his uh, books, you know, feel free to uh, get a hold of Netflix, <laughs> get that going for him. Uh, so we'll go with that eight, that last question, that eighth one. Do you have any current promos, news, updates, current projects, anything like that that you'd like to share with us? Sure. Uh, so the Assassin of Malkoze will be an audiobook soon. Oh, uh, cool. My narrator is just finishing up uh, some editing on that. Uh, and then eventually, you know, my second one. But I do have an audiobook coming. And then my newest book uh, should be out uh, around Christmas time uh, or early in 2023, along with a comic book as well. And then I'll be continuing to write in this universe. So even though there's only two books now, um, because I keep the page count shorter, there will continue to be material. And each one that you buy is a complete story. So you don't have to worry about, you know, being left hanging. Every single one is a complete beginning, middle and end. So. Oh, that's cool. Well, definitely, you know, I'll grab the books, but also make sure you uh, tag me or send me the link or whatever for the comic book. Cause that just sounds cool. Those are my roots. So <laughs> yeah, my friend the other day was like, you're just a comic book guy deep down. I was like, yeah, I was like, that's what I, you know, first started reading. And that's what got me into, you know, sci-fi and fantasy were the comic books. So yeah. like, I try to stay, you know, dear and true to them as best I can. I uh, just want to remind our audience that you can find all of Brian's products and his websites and his socials in the description, anywhere where you are watching or listening to this podcast. I uh, just want to also remind our audience, please, 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 when it comes to Brian's books or anybody else that we've had on, please make sure you're reviewing those books. Because if you're going to yes. want, you know, like <laughs> myself, if you're going to want to read Brian's comic book or, you know, or book three or whatever, you know, particularly, you know, in this world that he's created, that sounds awesome. Um, you know, make sure you're reviewing books because that's how you get more books. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, Brian, because my friend Christopher G. Breading, he's always like, you're always so nice and sharing everything. And helping me out I'm like no I'm selfish she goes what do you mean I'm like I want a third book <laughs> like this came out with book two and it, book one was absolutely brilliant I was like I, I need a book three I was like it's not I, I like helping but I was like at the end of the day I'm a selfish reader I just want more books so uh, yeah. I just want to remind everybody to review <laughs> well Brian it was a pleasure to have you on today. also uh... oh yeah go ahead I was going to say also for anyone who does uh, reviewing, I do have my two books on the story origin app. Uh, and I know oh, that people cool. can do review requests there. Um, uh, if I don't click on it right away, just bear with me. Cause I have to like log in and check it uh, physically, but I do check that every week. Um, and I have those available for like the ebook version, but I also have them available as a PDF. So if you want to actually review it in the original format that it would be in a paperback, I do have that option uh, for people. So if you're on Story Origin and you do reviews there, uh, you can do a request to review either of my books. Hmm. Well, that's good to know. I wrote that down. I have not heard of Story Origin yet. So that's actually a, it's a good a tool. Really good tip. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I'm going to check that out. 
Awesome. Well, Brian, if you have anything else, like I said, you know, you can send it to me and, you know, we'll put it in the description for you. Uh, if there's anything else that I can do at all, you know, just, you know, feel free to message me. Um, some people get really afraid to, you know, tag people, tag me. It's just easier for me that way. Um, I check social media a lot to, you know, to share and respond and things, yep. but feel free to tag me, send anything by email, Facebook, whatever. Um, yeah, that way I can help you, you know, get your books and, you know, hopefully your graphic novel out there and, you know, we'll uh, yeah. do anything we can to help you out. So sweet. I really I appreciate it. Yeah. It was great talking to you. Anytime you want to come back, you know, you got the graphic novel or audible, you know, any audio book or anything like that, you know, releasing, just let me know and we'll get you back on for a second episode and we'll get you all taken care of. Sweet. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime, my friend, we have a good rest of the night and I will talk to you soon. All right. See you later. See you later.